Welcome to episode 18, the Slowly Losing Cast Members episode. I'm Kevin Yost. I'm Ben Rogers. And we had to sacrifice Matt now. So Matt and Sutter are both dead in order to keep the corpse of Brian Fisher Thomas Mangensen alive. <laughs> My hunger will it, not be sated. It is the simple <laughs> transmutation law of equivalent exchange. <laughs> Just keep sacrificing and I'll keep showing up. <laughs> Fair deal. Uh, Kevin has a robot arm. I'm a giant robot suit. <laughs> but at least we have Brian now. <laughs> Uh, so I know this is going to take up a significant portion of the podcast, so let's just go ahead and get into Sekiro. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, is I didn't it? play it, so it's on YouTube. Okay, so Sekiro Brian came out the handle. Uh, Thursday night uh, at midnight, so I guess Friday morning, uh, March, <laughs> what, 22nd? And Ben and I have been playing it kind of nonstop since. Um <laughs> It is a uh, From Software game, makers of notable games like Demon Souls, Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, <laughs> Dark Souls 3, sorry, I had to check my notes, and Bloodborne. Dark Souls Racers. <laughs> Dark Souls Rhythm, Dancing <laughs> Dark Souls Go. And iCarly for the DS. Yes, of course. Uh, it stands for Dark Souls. And so it, uh, <laughs> it's real, real hard, but real, real fun. Like most from software games, the uh, the ma- mantra is you have to get good. Anytime you die, it's probably <laughs> your fault. And I've been enjoying seeing online the tears of people upset that they can't beat it on the very first day. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Ben. What are your first impressions of it? I mean, it was they really are like, hey, this is a lot different. I know you're used to playing this one kind of style of game, but you need to change your mentality quick. And they certainly throw you into the ringer. They do the. They, I like how they do the. Like I like how it's a from software game. It feels vastly different from a Dark Souls game, but you can tell, you know, where the elements of Dark Souls are. You're like, totally. oh, and so, an impossible boss at the beginning to get my ass kicked. <laughs> so is it more different from Dark Souls than Bloodborne was? Yes. Uh, so like Bloodborne to me is faster more aggressive Dark Souls. And Sekiro is like, I wouldn't say it's the child of Dark Souls and Bloodborne. It's like the adopted kid who came on like for the last few years of high school. Because um, so they got like, it. They adopted a Japanese baby. Kevin, did you ever play the game Tenchu? <laughs> uh, fucking maybe once a okay. decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of a new age Tenchu which was basically a uh, which was basically a stealth game, but set in feudal Japan where you're a ninja, and you can you know you can run up and fight the enemies like melee, or you can stealth and sneak by everything and kill them. It's it's like a new age Tenchu, and that's what it like the the most accurate way I can describe it to compare it to an older game. Yeah, it's, so, like, one of the things about Dark Souls and Bloodborne is you can kind of play it however you wanted, you know, no matter what you chose, um, you know, there was a play style that would suit you, even unarmed, you know, there's a way you could play it, people beat the game with, like, you know, broken ladles or whatever, but with Sekiro, they've basically laid out, okay, here are your main weapons, it's this katana, good luck, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they don't have to, 
uh, you know, say, okay, well, maybe somebody using magic might do this, or somebody in a dex build or a strength build. It's like, no, everybody's doing the same thing. And it's it a real skill the, check. It, it allows for the game developer to really set the tone and the difficulty of the game, since he has all the, you know, he only has to focus on one thing. Totally. Um, and it's it's so much faster paced than even Bloodborne. Like, you really, if you're not in the enemy's face, you're gonna have a bad time. There's a ton of enemies that just punish you from being far away from them, and you really need to be doing everything you can to be interrupting enemies, including bosses. Um, there was one particular boss that uh, Ben got through quicker than me. It took me a good two full days of attempts to get through him. But it really was <laughs> a check to just be like, do you understand the mechanics of this game? And I was trying to play it like, uh, you know, Bloodborne and Dark Souls, like dodging and, uh, you know, picking my spots to go in. And once I realized, oh, no, the game just wants me to be in his face and have a sword fight with him. You know, a tra- traditional sword <laughs> fight, you're not far away staring at each other. You're in the, each other's face swinging your sword. And so once you get the hang of that, it's a lot more doable. Mm-hmm. But like like a traditional Soulsborne game, once you get it, it makes a lot of sense and the game is a lot more manageable. Um, ben, I think you probably agree, but for me at least, it seemed once I got through that hump, the rest of the game, I wasn't as phased. I mean, it's still well, hard, but you, yeah, you kind of understand it better. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that is, like, the f- one of the first, like, you think you're going through humps in the game until you get to that moment, and then you're like, oh my god, this is the game. And <laughs> after you beat that game, it feels like, you know, you've taken off weighted clothing or come out of the hyperbolic time chamber you have a way better understanding of the game and it just feels more fair than it was before. Yeah, and like there's... The game is not kind to you going in. Like even in the tutorial, there is a mini-boss who's quite difficult um, and can really, really make it difficult for you, especially if you don't use any sort of stealth. Like it's kind of the game... You know, I'm always of the opinion that Soulsborne games are hard enough, so there's no shame in trying to cheese anything. Uh, and, you know, and traditionally that meant, you know, I'll summon people in, or I'll look up online what, like, the most overpowered build is. And neither of those things are insecure. You know, there isn't uh, any overpowered build, because, you know, you, there's one weapon, and to power up your strength and uh, health, you just have to kill bosses. There's no easy way around it, so you have to basically just get good at the game. Uh, but it does kind of teach you to be cheap and Sekiro style, like making use of the stealth mechanic, which I think is a lot of fun. It has the traditional, like, you know, alert triangles, and there there's definitely a sense of uh, tension building while you're going through the world being like, please, I just want to get this one guy and not pull eight all eight of them. And, of course, you pull <laughs> all eight of them. <laughs> one thing that really stood out to me about the game is... <clears throat> In Dark Souls, there's a thing called repost, and that's when you uh, you hit L2 or whatever your block hand is, and you knock the blade away, and you can get a free backstab or a critical strike on them. In Sekiro, they you can beat the whole game without doing a repost in any of the Dark Souls. In this, in Sekiro, you have to learn how to block the moment you get hit. And you have to do this constantly. <laughs> Definitely. It, it, it is brutal if you are not playing it the way they want you to be playing it. Um, you, I think you could be able to do it, but it would be much, much harder 
than I think the way the game is intended to be played. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was trying to do that, and it just made it so much more difficult. Once the light goes off, it's just like oh. Like okay. you were even like the game even became easier for you once you got more used to the Mercury counter. Right, and it's so the Mercury counter. I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but one of the, an early ability you get in the game is uh, you know a lot of enemies have thrusting attacks, and you can try and deflect them, or you can be a badass and literally step on the blade. <laughs> and <laughs> it's one of the cooler things uh, in the game, but it's it's really interesting. So Dark Souls traditionally had, you know, a roll mechanic, which you could use to cheese through the whole game, which I did on many, many playthroughs. <laughs> um, or Bloodborne had, you know, the dash, but either way, you just hit circle, and that was your go-to uh, avoidance mechanic. Sekiro has three. three. You have the one, the block, I guess four, if you count deflected block, is different. Um, you know, block, you don't take any damage, but your posture meter builds, uh, and if you get your posture meter all the way full, you get stunned and are uh, susceptible to basically one-hit kills. Um, the deflect builds the enemy's posture, and you don't take any damage. And then there's a jump, which you have to do over sweep attacks, and a dodge, which you're almost never supposed to use outside of a few uh, a few encounters. Uh, and so it's, it is a night and day from the Bloodborne, Dark Souls style, just let me dash and roll my way to victory. <laughs> And the, the iframes are, so the iframes being the invincibility uh, amount of frames you get as invincible when you're rolling or when you're dodging. Uh, in Dark Souls and Bloodborne, it felt like you could, you could literally roll through attacks and not get hurt, cheesing the iframes. I don't think that really exists with Bloodborne. Uh, the only iframes you get are the ones you create with, uh, with a deflection, which is, like Ben said, basically parrying every time uh but once you get good at it you realize like oh the only thing that matters is posture even the vital the enemy health bar you know you're working their the enemy's posture up to get a what's called a death blow and when you do that you get this cool little animation where you deplete the entirety of their health it might kill them it might reveal reveal another health bar because everything in that <laughs> fucking game is a goddamn damage sponge <laughs> um, but it's it's really satisfying and uh, I have not had this. It reminds me of like the first time you play, uh, you play Dark Souls when you have no fucking idea what's going on, and every around mm-hmm. every corner you're just like, "What's going to happen next?" But combine that with, no matter what you come across, you have to get in its face. You cannot be passive. Okay, we'll just wreck you. <laughs> yeah, and so instead of in the lieu of Dark Souls being like, you know, here's. 80, here's a bunch of different shields and swords and weapons and stuff that all have slightly different stats and um, you know the weapon types does change the move set but you know for the most part every one-handed sword is gonna have the same move set as every other one-handed sword and so on but with uh, one thing I like about in lieu of that in Sekiro, you have prosthetic attachments. And these change the way your R2 works. So you can have a prosthetic that shoots fire or one that has an axe. And uh, I keep on finding more and more, and it just opens up a lot more unique combat situations, which are really interesting. So that's effectively your uh, different weapons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but even then, there's certain... 
uh, there's certain prosthetics that really only work on certain enemies. Like uh, you get a firecracker in the game that blinds uh, that, that blinds regular enemies. Okay, well apparently I'm learning more about the game even during the podcast. <laughs> um, but like certain prosthetics more are more effective yeah. against uh, certain enemies than others. So there's a little bit of uh, you know of flexibility, but not nearly as much as there were in the Soulsborne series where you could do. Have, you know, where there are all room for all sorts of different builds, but I think as a result yeah. of that, it's a much more tightly balanced game. I think the beginning of Sekiro is a steeper difficulty curve, but I, I think towards the end it gets a little easier than when you know. I don't know whether I'm at the end, and who knows if I'll be using <laughs> these words in a week or two. Yeah, I was gonna say that. That's w- yeah, what I was exactly. just about to ask. <laughs> But I so do, at some point it becomes slightly easier, whether that's midway through or last boss. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I don't know. I The other big mechanic that makes it completely different from the Soulsborne series is the grappling hook. So it adds, you know, you could barely jump in the Soulsborne series, but with the grappling hook, it really changes everything. Yeah, you gotta be um, looking up constantly. <laughs> or down. Or there's down. a lot of things where it's just like, I have to jump off this cliff, and I'm hoping that there's something I can grapple <laughs> onto. Uh, and there have been a lot of deaths where I was wrong. But you kind of have to just start getting in that in that habit of, well, maybe I'll just do this leap of faith. And it feels like you're ninja Spider-Man sometimes, like, grappling around. And it's yeah, extremely satisfying. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, if do. you want to make, like... Uh, you know, Apex Legends, Spider Man, all these games with grappling hooks just do so well. <laughs> 2019, the year of the grappling hook. Yeah, just, just make it. <laughs> it's make been it. the year of the grappling hook since like 2017. <laughs> Let's make it a comeback. Uh, yeah, like Tomb Raider had cry. it, Uncharted 4 had it. Of course, Spider Man had it. Four, yeah. Don't make her five. Yeah. Um, but no, I, and I also think that the game. Even so, Ben and I have been talking about it a lot as we've been playing through, and he and I have very different styles to the game. Ben's more of a I'm going to run through and kill everything and explore every nook and cranny. Uh, I'm the I'm going to sprint through the level and hope to God I can find the next sculpture, which is the bonfire or a lantern in this game. Uh, mm. And I've I've been waiting for the part where I'm screwed and have to go back uh, to like uh, get things I've missed, but for the most part. As long as you're killing mini bosses and bosses, you don't even need to kill a lot of the smaller trash. Like the game allows you to, but the game also allows you to be more stealthy and to kind of skip what you need to skip. I mean, the whole idea is you are like the shinobi ninja style uh, bodyguard, mm-hmm. and so you know you can you can murder everything in your path, or you can just get from point A to B quickly. And the grappling hook makes it super satisfying to be like, oh, I've been caught. Let me just grapple away really quickly that no one else can possibly chase me and reset these enemies and get something more favorable uh, for an encounter. Huh. Um, so does, for the normal enemies, does it work like uh, previous games where, like, once you reach the bonfire or whatever, they all reset? Only after, only after you rest. Yeah, it's interesting. Reset. In this game, they give you the option to do that. So... You know, traditionally, if you touch the lantern or you touch the bonfire, you get healed, and uh, you know all the enemies reset. In this game, you can find a new sculpture, and unless you actively choose to rest, the enemies will not respawn. Yeah, but also with running through, you miss out on a lot of XP, and there are a lot of skills in this game. Yeah, that cost yeah. XP. 
It is and... the death mechanic is a lot more brutal in this game too. Oh, yeah. I would say uh, when you die, there is no you half of uh, your experience and half of the currency called sen um, is just gone. And even if you get mm-hmm. back to where you died, you don't get it back. Um, <laughs> occasionally, uh, you get this buff or this notification called unseen help, where that doesn't happen, hey. but unseen aid. Thank you, but. At best, it's only happen- There's only a thirty percent chance of that to happen. So most of the time, if you die, you're losing your stuff. And while you're dying, you're making all the NPCs around you that help you sick. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's another good point. Yeah, the dragon rot mechanic. So so you're getting the- beat up by three different people around you when you mess up. And well, in this game, it's a lot less opaque than blood. Uh, than Bloodborne and Dark Souls. Like, there's a lot of quests to do, but if you have, if there's too much dragon rot, like if a character's sick, they cannot give you the quest. And your character would be like, just, just don't talk. I know you're sick. Even though they're trying <laughs> to help you. <laughs> and is there a way to reverse that at all? Yeah, there is. There there's, is, but it's expensive some... to do so. Yeah, there's these <laughs> things called dragon tears, and you use them at a, at a, uh, sculpture and it'll get it'll restore it'll get rid of the dragon rot on everybody and uh it just happens it doesn't like happen every death it's really it seems like it's random i don't know if there's any pattern sometimes you'll die like six times and there'll be nothing sometimes you'll die once and all of a sudden eight people will be infected right it's crazy (laughs) and you're you feel bad for dying yeah especially when those things start popping up multiple times and you're like "Uh uh-oh I'm literally causing the plague to spread because I need to get good. <laughs> yeah, but the, the bosses have been excellent. There's a wide variety. One thing I really like about this one, but it's also kind of a dick move, is um, an enemy, after like six or seven, like after a ch- good chunk of deaths, will start busting out different movesets. Yeah, you will not so, always see an enemy's entire moveset on a given run, and so it's entirely possible that you've been fighting a boss for an hour, and all of a sudden they do something you've never seen before, <laughs> and it, especially when you're about to kill them, you're just like, wait, what the fuck, what just happened? Why? <laughs> yeah, had a few moments where it's just been just like, what do you, they just pull this out of left field, and be like, nope, you're still not good. But the game that does... feels like such an unnecessary, like, kick dirt in the wound mechanic. Yeah, it <laughs> is. like, this is only <laughs> happening because I'm already struggling. Especially in the early <laughs> no, part of the game, so though, awful. it does do a really good job of you meet, the, you know, a new, uh, a new boss or mini-boss. And the first couple attempts, it's like, oh my god, I'm never going to beat this. But you do start to learn and you get better. And so even the early bosses feel really fucking good to beat. Yeah, it's been a really satisfying game the whole way through so far. For sure. I particularly, and I don't feel bad about talking about this boss because it's in the fucking trailer, but there is a bull (laughs) whose horns are on fire. Brian hated the bull. I got my ass kicked to that thing over and over. (laughs) Meanwhile, it bends in my ear talking about all the cool shit that's behind the bull, and I'm like (laughs) losing my mind. But, one, you know, it was one of those things that you figure out a strategy, and you start, you tweak it, and you figure out what works for you. And Remember, you got you past that, it, that draw really guy way, fat, way quicker than I did. Which one? The guy who draws his katana. Oh, right. 
But then immediately the boss after you crushed me, and I took me a day to get that past him. I it's because I didn't stop, and you went to bed like a weak person. <laughs> yeah, how dare I go? Fucking casual. Terrible, terrible decision. <laughs> uh, sorry, Charmy, if you're listening to this. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it is a great she game. Understand. I'm enjoying the shit out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's my first playthrough. I anticipate a lot more playthroughs, uh, but I'm kind of just... I feel like the first playthrough of any Souls or Bloodborne game you're going to do stuff that irrevocably fucks you or like close you miss out on some uh, some quests or some items. I'm not one to uh, platinum games or try and 100% them, but I will mm. definitely play this a few times uh, because it's just the combat super fun. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I am going to platinum this. I really like platinuming uh, Blood, uh, the Soulsborne games to a certain extent. <laughs> Bloodborne How ones. many of them have you platinumed? I have platinum two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something. Yeah, it's something. It's I have platinumed Bloodborne, like, and I have platinum Dark Souls three. Oh, see, I haven't even beaten the last DLC for Dark Souls three. Okay, see, my then mine is a pseudo half plat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, uh, oh, DLC, DLC doesn't actually count towards the platinum. So oh, interesting. Well. Yeah. I will tell you the second DLC in Dark Souls. Ashes of Ariandel. Uh, no, that one I beat. The it's Ring, the Ring City. City. Yeah, that one is brutal. I could not even get past the first boss. Um, and I'm somebody <laughs> like I've beat every DLC of every other game, including uh, Bloodborne. But I don't know. I like the hardest I think enemy I've ever fought in uh, in like the whole. Soulsborne series for me, and this is always a subjective list, but for me it'd be Orphan of Kos in uh, Bloodborne, and then You thought he I, was harder than Lady Maria. I did. I wow. did. Um, but for me, in Dark Souls 2 the Fume Knight, it took me so many attempts, and I was honestly prouder of myself when I killed that than when I found out I passed the bar exam. Uh, <laughs> which is just, you know, it's one of those things I could not get through that that block and when i finally did it was amazing but <laughs> you're still just chasing that high I'm st- i still am but you know with the enemies <laughs> the only reason i went to law school was to <laughs> yeah. try and feel that accomplished again and little lo and behold it didn't work it but didn't work. uh <laughs> but with Sekiro, i'm getting you know it's not like that every time but each fight is a lot more satisfying you know like i felt like there's some bosses in uh dark souls and in uh Bloodborne, where you kind of kill and you're just like, oh, okay, whatever. There's some where you feel amazing and it's a, a really epic fight, but I feel like even the like Mikulash. run-of-the-mill mini-bosses have excellent ambience and they always have the capability of you just being like, holy shit, this is incredible. And it comes with that like, it comes with that feudal I love how they're taking all these feudal influences and stuff like, there's a dude who charges you on a horse, and he announces his name and his title as he enters the area in this huge, booming voice, and it's just so epic. He's screaming at you at the top of his lungs. It does feel great. <laughs> and it's thing like the first boss you encounter, and you're like, well, have I been fighting bosses the whole time? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, no. Is this the game's version of bosses? Like, no, this is a fu- boss, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... 
it is just absolutely nuts. It's been it's been really enjoyable. If you're a fan of the Dark Souls or Bloodborne series, definitely recommend it. It also seems a little bit of a flex towards Neo, being like, "Oh, you think you can do a samurai game or a ninja game? <laughs> yeah, here's one even better." Yeah, I'm interested to see how what, uh, Ghosts of Tushina or whatever that other samurai game is going to be coming out soon. And yeah. then there's Neo, yeah, and then there's Neo Tsushima. 2. And then there will probably be DLC for this. Well, I find Second it super interesting. You're the samurai. Yeah. Well, Miyazaki said after Dark Souls 3, like, we want we want to be done with these games. We want to move <laughs> in a different direction. And it's like, this is a very different game. But, I don't know. It, a lot of this, this is still definitely in, within that template. So I'm, I will be very yeah. curious... Are they going to make like, a Sekiro 2? Are they just going to be like, we're back to Armored Core? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I assume you guys would describe this still as a very Soulsborne oh, style yeah, game. Definitely. Like it would you, fit in that played, genre. Yeah, if you've played those, there's a lot that will be very familiar. Mm-hmm. But honestly, in some respects, you're at a disadvantage because you, that will lull you into a false sense yeah. of, oh, I need to mm-hmm. you know play this like I've played Bloodborne and Dark Souls. And it is not that at all. Um, I struggled when playing Bloodborne originally because I was trying to play like Dark Souls. Yeah. And where's my shield? Play that passive, <laughs> right? Exactly. The game Bloodborne even makes fun of you for trying to equip a shield, um, <laughs> like flavor text. But like, I thought the transition to Sekiro was even more difficult. It's well huh. done, though. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any kind of demo or anything. Because uh, I've played, I played Demon Soul, I played Dark Souls, I played Bloodborne. I didn't beat any of them, or even realistically get very close. Uh, so I don't want to like buy this game because I'm sure I'd have the same thing. I'd make it four or five bosses in, and then just never touch it again. And it doesn't even have the. Uh, aspect of Bloodborne in it to where when I start dating a girl, which isn't going to happen again, (laughs) I can just log into the game and be like, look at this game. I'm in the nightmare of menses being attacked by giant brains and werewolves. (laughs) Yeah, but who knows? This game could get a lot weirder very quickly. Yeah. Without (laughs) spoilers, there's there's a certain boss that Ben and I are struggling with where you think you beat him, and then something ridiculous happens, and it's just like, yep, this is Miyazaki. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we still, we, you think you're hidden, you think you're hiding in this game, not called, has it with a souls in its name, but I see through, you move this, you move this, <laughs> the E, the K, and the I, and it says souls, and you're like, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> you can't hide from me, Miyazaki, I know what you did. <laughs> But I, I've really been enjoying looking at the Sekiro subreddit and seeing the people who clearly played Dark Souls by summoning people oh, and yeah, yeah. getting overpowered weapons. The fact that there's no multiplayer. So salty. It's so good. And just like <laughs> you you can do this game, you just have to learn it and learn the proper mechanics, but people are furious that they're not gods this in day one. <laughs> Is there any of that like messaging mechanic? No. no. Is there there's no yeah, like this is, yeah this is yeah there's no interaction this is you versus game developer you know it's mm. very old school <laughs> like you could 
if your internet completely crapped out, this is probably the one game that would have no impact of loss of gameplay. Yeah. <laughs> You're fighting Bob in the but reboot. It's, it's uh, it's really good. It's really well done. I'm very curious to see where this is all going. A lot of it is super satisfying. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of like what I have negative to say about it. I'm kind of a From Software fanboy. Yeah, me but, too. Uh, um, let's put, let's try this anyway. That's a good idea. And I think the learning curve is enough of a negative. <laughs> that's you know, that's going to yes. stop a ton of people from being able to get argument. into it. It's, yeah, the I mean, learning it's just, curve is brutal. Um, and there's yeah. also some times where it's like, it's not always clear. So the game, as we mentioned before, the deflections, it's intended that you press the block button right before the enemy sword hits you. And there's sometimes, and this is really fucking difficult because like the enemy's kicking up dust with like their movement or hmm? like the camera bugs out because you're, up against you're locked a wall. into a corner and you can't see when to deflect. So then it's just like, <laughs> I'm going to spam this and hope for the best. And of course the game punishes you <laughs> for spamming the deflect button. Um, but the vast majority of the time, it's your own it's fault you. for being put into the corner. But I, the other the other thing, and this is a little ironic given my gameplay style, it is weird that I can like run past a ton of enemies and skip a bunch of content. Um, like mm. Ben said, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because I have less experience to spend on skill points. Um, but I haven't found it to be that much of a break like i uh i did spend a lot of time on a boss but i don't think having more skill points would have helped me with that particular boss it was really just learning to play the way the game wants me to play but it does feel like sometimes when i'm frustrated especially with non-boss mobs the solution is screw it i'm just gonna run and yeah it works a lot like i call them death runs what i was doing in the beginning is oh man you know i'm in a situation where i'm about to die I'm just going to sprint through the level and try and pick up as many items as I can, and maybe one of those will help me the next life. And then I realize, wait a minute, I can sprint all the way to the next uh, checkpoint fairly regularly. And so I've been doing that a lot, um, and it does feel like it kind of makes some of the game a little cheese. I will say I'm super excited to see whatever crazy fucking person speedruns this game first. <laughs> yeah. And the the running thing has been... a like a criticism of pretty much all of those games, a lot of them you can like if you know the enemy placements, just sprint past most or of them. Yeah, bosses. in previous rounds, there you at least had the uh, the stamina mechanic to stop you from sprinting all the time. There is no stamina mechanic in this game, <laughs> which like when you're fighting one on one makes it cool because these battles are like six minutes of you on your t- edge of your seat the whole time. There's no time for recovery, but on the other hand, you can literally just sprint your way through the world. <laughs> yeah, but then you miss out on all the prayer beads. Well, no, but those those are just the mini bosses, right? Like the mini bosses, with a few exceptions, are usually by themselves. So you can even sprint, you know, drop combat, and then fight the mini boss one on one, which is usually what I've been doing. <laughs> but that that probably is my one criticism. Overall, I'm extremely happy for it. I was extremely hyped for this game and was a little concerned. My expectations were being super unreasonable. But uh, having a blast so far. What, what do you think, Ben? I mean, I love this game. Um, I still think it's too early, but I would definitely say it's better than Dark. I would put it above Dark Souls One. Maybe not. A, I don't know if I put it above Bloodborne, but 
it's climbing the ranks. It's a really fun game, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's been really satisfying. You know, uh, it's it's in it's instilled all the emotions that the previous Dark Souls games has has given me. You know, all the 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 seven stages of loss. I tend to go through all those stages. <laughs> I think, and I think this boss. game is probably going to end up being more replayable than Dark Souls or Bloodborne because you never upgrade your weapon. You do get more attack power, but the way you get more attack power is by fighting bosses, um, fighting and defeating bosses. So one thing that always annoyed me when I went back to play Dark Souls or Bloodborne was just like, oh, right, I have to go farm these materials and get my yeah. weapon up to snuff. But I mean, they have in this the, game. You don't have they to have do the that. prosthetic tree, though, and that's like the new sense of leveling. Where sure, but I feel like even with the prosthetics, I haven't been relying on them so much. Once you kind of get the hang of the deflection, yeah, you could totally, really you could totally beat this game without using prosthetics at all. But it just adds I think they more help, to the game, and I like using them for sure. It it, it tweaks the play style mm-hmm. a little bit. But I, I was being overly dependent on prosthetics before, and now I kind of forget I have them a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to use but like great game. I mean, yeah, after that, after that fight. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think that's good. That is more than half an hour. <laughs> yeah, of and Sekiro we did, talk. We did it the whole time without any major spoilers. So go us. We did. <laughs> so proud of you guys. Hooray. Um. All right, let's go ahead and talk about Maniac. Okay, so Maniac. Um, I watched and finished Maniac, which is a 10-episode limited series on Netflix. Um, it is one of the craziest things I've seen. and It was one of those shows that even when I wasn't watching it, I found myself thinking about it all the time. Um, Maniac. Yeah, so it stars Jonah Hill and Emma Stone um, are these two... Uh, people who've had kind of troubled pasts, they sign up, and and this is in this like kind of alternate reality New York. It very, uh, it's like futuristic, but also retro. Like it's as if the night you took in the nineteen eighties what you thought the future would be and made that. Uh, so like a Blade Runner kind of future. A little bit, but less neon. But yeah, um, <laughs> and so it's you know they. <laughs> They're these, they're, they're both hard up, uh, well, Emma Stone, they have their different reasons for this, but they both decide to go in uh, a pharmaceutical study that the goal of which is you take three pills and it basically is replaces therapy. Um, but as they're going through this, it just turns into this like insane like fantasy sci-fi thing where they're like having these hallucinations that are connected with each other and you're not really sure what's real and what's the hallucination um <laughs> and like the first two episodes you're just kind of like what the fuck is this but the longer you go in it and you realize like oh no like none of this is real and this is them hallucinating on these pills uh it gets crazy and then like fucking Sally Field <laughs> shows up and they're just like how the fuck did they convince Sally Fields to be in this? But she's also great. <laughs> um, I I would highly, highly recommend it. Uh, especially if you've ever, like, uh, if you've ever gone through therapy and had to, like, deal with, you know, your own internal demons. It's, like, an interesting depiction of that. Um, of, like, what, 
what that would be to kind of confront your schizophrenic personalities or your own bipolar disorder. Uh, You know, two things that I've never dealt with, but like I've, you know, gone to therapy and had to deal with, you know, things in a much less intense nature. But so it's, it's kind of fascinating and really, really addicting. And it's only 10 episodes. So how long is each episode? 10 of 10 Brian's. So some are a half hour, some are an hour, some are 45 minutes, kind of all over the place. (laughs) 10 out of 10 Brian's, jeez. I, it's really good, and like I can't stop thinking what's, about it. What's, and it also what's a kind of 1 out of 10 mind. Brian? I need uh, a scale here. Well, this is going to be a hot take for this podcast, but what was the <laughs> like medieval fantasy anime Sud made me watch? That'd probably be a 1 out of 10 Brian. Oh, uh, was it the Goblin Slayer one? It was the one that the guy had the buster sword, like Cloud oh, Berserk. Final Fantasy Seven. Berserk. Berserk that's it. Oh, Berserk. Um, Damn. I mean, I have not seen Berserk or have any opinions, but maybe, I guess it depends on which version of Berserk you watched. Maybe, like, I don't know, The Notebook would be one out of ten Brian's uh, quick side story. In college, mm-hmm. uh, I uh, was prescribed a lot of Percocet and was on bed rest, and somebody sent me a link while I was hopped up on a lot of opioids and said, Hey, check out this video. And it took me 45 minutes to realize I was watching the notebook. <laughs> At which point I was pot committed. So I just watched the rest. <laughs> One out of 10. <laughs> Brian, you were tricked into watching. How many Brian's on Percocet? <laughs> oh man, that was like a three. Cause I was just like, Oh man, what's, what's going to happen? Also my face is tingling and I'm not following. Any Brian of got tricked into watching. <laughs> the notebook and not even buy a girl from a Percocet is a hell of a drug stranger on the internet um but no Maniac great show uh I'm a little sad it's over it had if you've seen Russian Doll um it had vibes like that like of what's real what isn't um so you know uh when in doubt pop a bunch of pills and watch the notebook <laughs> <laughs> Is the moral of the story. <laughs> well, nifty. You get up to anything else? Uh, nothing really culture-wise. I did finally watch uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor and uh, had a bunch of feels about it. The Mr. Rogers documentary. <laughs> oh, he was to, too pure for this world and we didn't deserve him. That's all I really have to say. It's uh, it's worth your yeah. time. I am extremely scared about what Tom, the Tom Hanks biopic will be. Uh, but... Uh, the documentary about it was gave me a lot of feelings. Nice. <laughs> Did you watch a lot of uh, Mr. Rogers when you were a kid? I, I yes, did. only when I was a kid. Uh, no, yeah, I, <laughs> I did watch it growing up. Uh, it was it was delightful, and uh, it was interesting to kind of see the whole story. Uh, I mean, it's very pro Mr. Rogers. They kind of gloss <laughs> over the criticism of him, which. To be fair, I don't know all the, the murders. <laughs> uh, well, I think the criticism that a lot of people have levied against him is like you've created a generation of people who think they're special without having to do any work, and so they're entitled little shits. And it's like, <laughs> okay, let's just throw that on the millennial pile on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I would have been curious to see you know them go into that a little more, other than just like say, isn't this so ridiculous? Which like I certainly think, but that's. Definitely some confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was about all I consumed this week, media-wise. I watched the first cool. episode of The Umbrella Academy. 
Oh, yeah, how was treat. that? I want to. I want to see more. Alan Page yeah. is in that, right? Yes. Yes. I've had that recommended to me by a couple different people. It's cool. Uh, it cool? Like, just seems Netflix like algorithm. a. It seems like a. Uh, uh, like a. Uh, a misfit children kind of X Men esque story. I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. You have. You have these. Ki- I mean, it's, it seems like it's literally uh, X Men if they listen to a bunch of My Chemical yeah. Romance. Misfit. You know, I said misfit. Like literally, like, yeah, misfit. Toys of the. Oh, I find it interesting the they like got rid of all the Netflix Marvel shows that were just like fuck it, we're making our own. Like I guess they didn't want to pay the license. No, it's <laughs> funny you say that the My Chemical Romance thing because did you know it was written by the lead singer of My Chemical Romance by Gerard Way? I did oh, know that. Nice. That's why I said that. <laughs> That's clever. Okay, well yeah, there you go. So it makes sense. <laughs> uh. But the first episode, yeah, good. I really enjoyed it, and I'm excited to see where it's going. The first episode's like an hour long, just because it's got to introduce all these characters and such. But uh, and then the rest are half hour. I, I don't know if the rest are also hours, but I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm actually intrigued. Cool I beans. actually kind of want to see like what the the comic depiction of all these characters, because I'm sure they're a little more accentuated ex- and such. Um, well, I also didn't get up to a whole shit ton. What do you mean? We did plenty. It was just one thing. It was just a <laughs> <Yeah>. lot of Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got my soul absolutely oh. crushed by their billions oh. enough that I'm probably going to take a break from that game for a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I had a game where I was... Uh, like seven hours in, maybe more, uh, to like one game. Oh my god. And I had tons of walls up with like the most powerful gun, like built everywhere and a huge army. And like I was ready to fucking defend the world. And then, um, there was one square that turned out to not be trees (laughs) that some zombies came into. And just wiped everything out. <laughs> Little tiny square. Uh, which, yeah, it was literally one square next to a forest, so it looked like it was just forest. <laughs> and it was not. Uh, so, <laughs> totally missed it when zombies just, like, came for that square. Fucking, they got to my houses, destroyed everything, and, like... I tried to keep a stiff upper lip and just be like, oh, well, I mean, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> Inside uh, your diet. Yeah. Boss <laughs> found me in the bathroom at work. <laughs> I went ahead and started uh, a couple more games after that and just kept getting screwed. Oh. Either, well, and the worst was like multiple times they gave me um, really good starting uh, things and I just like I was so shook <laughs> by having that game go wrong that I threw them away like there was one game where it essentially put me on an island almost <laughs> so like there was already like one checkpoint like one choke point into where my main base was and um, so one of the things that can happen when you explore the map is that you can find abandoned buildings 
And then if you get like power to them, you can repair them and essentially get a free version of that building. So in addition to being on this really easy to defend island, they literally had an abandoned um, executioner, I think. is It's like the giant like top-level Gatling gun. There's an abandoned executioner like three squares away from my home base. So like it covered my home base. Wow. <laughs> and I still managed to fuck that up. <laughs> Too shook. And so... Yeah, just and rattled. I was just like, I'm just, I gotta walk got away. got a cigarette in one <laughs> hand gonna... and a cup of coffee in the other. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to be like, game, you Le- win. Take leave the pot, yeah. Kara. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's noir um, for some reason. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was a significant portion of my week because that all went to hell like fucking Thursday night. <laughs> And then I was in Fargo, North Dakota over the weekend and did play what a lot. What there? Uh, so, Kara's cousin was turning four, oh, and yeah. her other cousin was getting baptized, and we were named the godparents. Oh, So you excited to introduce Christ to their lives? And now are you, are you <laughs> yes. devoted to a life of crime now? What? Why crime? I thought you were going to say, am I devoted to a life of Christ, which is a question that makes sense in related crime, to that. you're a godfather. I went a long <laughs> oh. way for it, but God, oh. you didn't see it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did <No>. not. <laughs> but yeah, have you found Jesus? <laughs> That's the god. I, that's the godparents' role, right? To introduce religion, yeah. or is it just yes. a strict? If we die, this is your. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was like a binding contract with water. <laughs> it's it's technically both. You're supposed to guide their religious upbringing oh. as well as, uh, you know, in the olden days, you would raise the child if the parents yeah, died. See, that's what I thought it was. I don't know that. Uh, they would currently send all three of their kids to different parents <laughs> if they both died. Uh, but I guess time yeah. will tell. We'll <laughs> we'll see if forty years from now we get placed in charge of raising a forty-six-year-old man. It'll be it'll be like a <laughs> weird umbrella academy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did play a little bit of Quiplash. There's not a whole lot to say about that game. It's fun. It's, it's yeah, good it's fucking game. good stuff. With. That's important. I played it with Kara's family. We play that every single time we get yeah, together. Yeah, that's what it's... Ever since like, I got it, it's now... Uh, I get texts before family events that are like, you're bringing your Switch over, right? You're bringing Quiplash, right? Yeah, it is an embarrassing amount of the, like, time played on my Switch. Oh, yeah. Like, it it's is certainly, probably yeah, number one. That and Overcooked. This... Nope, because I have that on oh, PS4. Switch has become a real party platform for me. Like, I bought a traveling carrying case just because everywhere I go, people want me to bring it with them for Quiplash or Overcooked or just party games. So now I load it up with, like, the jack... Like, that's what I'm using it for, just this party platform. Hmm. Yeah. Any ro- so rooftop I... parties and all the things they showed in the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I've only played... Quiplash on the PlayStation with uh, having like four plus controllers. How does it work on the Switch? Like, are you bringing extra I mean, controllers? It's Is it you just pass phone. around? No, it's uh... yeah, it's on your phone. I'm I don't know how you played the original Quiplash on oh, controllers no, yeah, you're because right. it no, also I'm yeah. Of, I'm thinking of Overcooked. <laughs> okay. 
No, you're yeah. totally right. It is on the phone. You just go to the website, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, like, it would be nice if they bumped up the the player number a little bit more, just because, like, we do regularly have to have, like, one or two people sit out because the limit's eight. And, like, outside of, uh, you know, voting for hours, <laughs> there's not really a specific reason it needs to be limited to eight people. I think 10 or 12 would have been fine, but it's not a big it's deal. It's funny when you watch two generations play the game and the, the variations mm-hmm. of questions or answers that are given. Yeah. Can be very. What's dabbing? <laughs> <laughs> like, they almost need to add a uh, gameplay mode for yeah. that game where instead of voting for the funniest one you have like everybody answer every question and then just try and guess whose answer was whose because <laughs> that's like half of the responses is like the two answers will come up and it's like I know one of those is Kevin's yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> just the, the kind of uh, memes that develop from playing the, that game yeah, yeah, <laughs> like uh, one of the one of the questions was just like a car that wouldn't sell well, and Kara's uncle put in Honda Fonda, and so like that is now a an inside joke we have with her family, the Honda Fonda, that Kara's sister has admitted multiple times she has tried to reference with friends at college because she forgets it's not just a general meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is an inside joke with no, the family. It's like us in the air horn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, fucking, if you have a yeah. Switch, f- buy Jackback's Party Pack <laughs> 3 at the very least. Like, uh, the other ones are probably great. Jackbox. So, of my Switch, 99% of the games played is Jackbox Party Pack 3. And of that, 99% of the games within that Party Pack that we've played is Quiplash. You just want Quiplash, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, every now and then, when somebody gets, like, upset from coming in last too many times, we'll switch to Trivia Murder Party. funny! Why are they getting all the points? (laughs) See, my switch has just become. Oh, I'm getting on an airplane. I will just play this, and so yeah. I'm like playing Zelda or Super Mario or a recent. The most recent flight was uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Nice. Um, but I also feel bad because those games are really, really fun. That I would, I feel like I would enjoy playing other times. But I only play them when I'm on an airplane. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. It's just like, I know that it's very specifically called the Switch because you can also play it on your television. Right. But or I just could I never don't. do that. <laughs> yeah. Or I could just not play I could, I could get home from North Dakota, hook it up to my TV, not use it for two months, and then pack it <laughs> yep. back into the case to take to North Dakota yep. again. I know, and I'm like, I'm super excited for Dragon Quest Eleven to come out on Switch, and uh, the new Pokemon to come out on Switch, and I can guarantee you I'm only going to play those on flights. <laughs> or when I'm seeing my parents and I'm just like, cool, you're 70 and not doing anything, I'll play my Switch on the couch. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I think that is pretty much everything I have gotten up to. Yeah, 
I mean, uh, I did my schedule for Sekiro, and that's all I did. <laughs> I mean, does does media include laughing at the fallout of the Mueller report, not report? Because I definitely <laughs> sure. consumed a lot of that. Oh, Sud's going to be so mad. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about a uh, a handful of like news oh, items. Sure. Quick draw. <laughs> news flash. Quick draw? I'm just coming up, like yeah, just coming up with, with a name for this segment. <laughs> I know, it's not Kevin's a thing news we've actually gotten around to, really. Put them in your mouth and uh, chew them. So... <laughs> one of the things I kind of want to talk about, even though I'm not super <laughs> up to date on it, is uh, the Google Stadia service. Oh, yeah. So it's Netflix yeah, so, video games, right? Yeah, which isn't... Or Spotify, by, yeah. Yeah, like, it's by no means, like, a new concept. Like, PlayStation Now has existed for a while, and it didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> invent the concept either. Um, but... Like, I I think it has some potential. I tried out the beta before they announced that it was even really going to be a thing because I signed up for the Project Stream beta and got a free copy of Assassin's Creed Odyssey and used Project Stream to play that on my uh, like portable Win 2. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was literally, <laughs> like, you know, November. Um, and that worked really well for me. At the very least, it worked really well at home uh, because I am a huge nerd and I do a lot of stuff on the internet, so I pay for pretty good internet service. Uh, so, you know, having like 15 megs down and 5 megs up was not by any means a hard ask of me. Um, but I know that like even just going to like a couple families' houses, they just, you know, they don't have that <laughs> bandwidth because they don't need it. So like I just couldn't play it at some of those uh, places. Uh, so, I mean, I think it works really well as a means to uh, play newer games if you have, like, underpowered stuff. Less so as a means to play, you know, your games on, like, a laptop so anywhere. I I don't think so. Just like a service you there might be a console component computer. to it. It's not your computer. It's running off of Google's computers. Like there, and the idea is you stream it. To, it can be your television. It can be your computer. Oh, okay. It sounds like it also be your phone. Uh, like the idea is, it's like you're deplatforming. Uh, well, that has a that's a loaded term. But you're uh, <laughs> you're separate. Virtual like, you machining have, it. No, there, there won't there won't be like oh I play these games on a PlayStation or I play these games on PC or I play these games on Xbox yeah, or Switch. Yeah. It'll just be, I play games and it doesn't matter. Um, the one yeah. criticism I've seen that I thought is interesting, I'm not sure if I buy it, is this idea that what happens if Google just decides to say, fuck it, we're out. What happens to all those games? You don't own anything. Yeah. Um, You're paying like for a service, time, Sony, so you don't even own Well, like Sony and Xbox uh, or Microsoft and Switch could do the same thing. Like, you know, and Nintendo did do that with the old uh, virtual console. Like, you can't yeah. access some of those games if you have... I think you can with the Wii U, but the original Wii, you're SOL if you want to play some of those games. I already have so many other games. Oh, yeah, and I mean, like, technically, none of us have ever owned a piece of software in our lives. Right. You know, like, even in the 90s, the you you know, the... 
agreement you signed to was that you had a like access to the program. You didn't own the program. And so like my answer to that is the same thing as like, Oh, what if yeah, PSN shuts down and you, all your digital games are gone or uh, steam shuts down and all those games are gone. It's just like, well then morally I've justified pirating all that mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> like really, <laughs> I think that's what 99% of people well, do. I guess I'll just become a pirate <laughs> is your answer. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, the answer is well, we've had the answer to, to this question for decades. <laughs> petty, petty yeah, crime. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, the, and I, yeah, like high- I said, I don't find that argument too persuasive because it's like, yeah, that same thing exists with, say, Spotify. Like, I don't, you know, I used to have a CD Bible in high school with a bunch of shit I bought, and now I pay whatever fee a month for Spotify, and yes. It could all go away instantly, and I'd lose a lot of music that I otherwise listen to. But at the same time, because of Spotify, I listen to a lot more music because I don't have to pay anything extra to discover a new band. So similarly with Stadia, I'm hoping it's like, you know, like you said earlier, Kevin, with Securo, you don't want to plunk $60 down for something you might play a few bosses of and get bored of. Like with Stadia, that you know kind of intrigues me being like, ooh... Maybe I try some of these games out, and I a lot of them I probably won't like, but maybe I discover games that I otherwise never would have played uh, that I turns out I really like. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly the same thing as uh, the EA Origin yeah, Access yeah. thing that I'm signed up for now. I bought it specifically as a cheap way to try out Anthem without having to buy Anthem for $60, And, like, it's allowed me to play They Are Billions. There's a bunch of other games I'm going to play through that I haven't had the chance to. And, like... Dead Space. It's... Yeah. Dead Space, Mass Effect 3. Oh, yeah. That's Um, you should play. Yeah. uh, I'll probably play through the Battlefront 2 story at some point, because it's short. Even if it's, like, pretty mediocre. Yeah. Did they uh, say how much so yeah, it's I mean, be? I, I I'm not sure. I'm googling all of this because I'm a terrible. Is is talking about news items has literally never happened, so I was unprepared for it. <laughs> so Google told you the first thing to talk about, which was about itself. <laughs> well, what do you think a fair price would be? Yeah, like what would you pay? I do, I do like like Origin Access, a hundred dollars for all the all the access to all the things. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's hard to say because I don't know. I don't think they've even announced any kind of like games list or anything. But like, yeah, I mean, I paid like I paid a hundred dollars for a year for Origin Access for a hundred fifty games. If they could get roughly that same number with, uh, yeah, I mean, if they had. Some really good titles, some really good indies that, like... Because, like, the issue is, in addition to good stuff, they have to get stuff people that people probably don't <laughs> already... Yeah. Because it's, it's stuff like um, Darkest how Dungeon. Many, how many like, copies yeah, you can put that on your thing, but, like... Yeah, if everybody who wants to play Darkest Dungeon owns it probably three times over I now. Own it, I own it twice. <laughs> so you need... Yeah. Um, so... Like there, there's a number that gets pretty high that I'd be willing to pay for the service, uh, depending 
Cause like, I would love to see if the requirements go down a little bit. Cause again, I have my GPD win two, which if I had the ability to stream a ton of games to it, like I would pay a good amount of money for that. You hear that? But I would also, I would also need the ability to do that. Like at my parents or Kara's parents. Right. Cause that's limited use to me. If I can only do it when I'm at home yeah. anyway. Right, and I think that's the big question here is, will it work outside of a big city? Like, you know, we, yeah. all three of us live in fairly major metropolitan areas and have decent internet access. But the question is, like, if I, you know, go to, you know, see somebody in the middle of fucking nowhere, mm-hmm. am I still going to be able to play it? Yeah. And they, they say, oh, you totally will, because we're Google and we have servers all over yeah, the world. Yeah, what's the incentive I'm not for sh- getting this... Like, for travel, yeah. yeah, if it doesn't work. Like, yeah. what's stopping me from just going to good old games and picking the game up for, like, 25 like, on sale for, like, five bucks, you know? But, you know, I mean, knowing the anti-competitive hellscape we're in, Google's large enough to just buy out every fucking developer and be like, you're doing this exclusively on our platform and we'll all be obligated. To well, if they buy out great. from software, they got <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I'm also a little bit curious about this uh, controller they've oh, announced, yeah. um, especially because the way I heard it presented was people complaining about the possibility of input lag because of the fact that you're streaming all your input to Google servers, they're streaming everything back, and supposedly they're releasing this controller with it that solves that by talking directly to Google servers. 3,000-mile cord connected right into... Yeah, I don't understand how that's supposed to work that gets around... Like, I'm already talking as directly (laughs) to Google servers as I possibly can without physically being connected to them. Faster than wireless So I don't know... Yeah, like, I don't know what this controller specifically does <laughs> to solve this issue. Maybe it's, well, who knows? Maybe it's this 5G shit we hear so I just think about. it's a cord for, with, yeah. like, is just 36,000 miles long and just connects to the server. <laughs> you, get a, you get a box, you get a box on your package, and there's, like, a cord coming out of the box. That just can, it just looks like an old Looney Tunes just cartoon. Just goes down the street. On the other end is a coyote with a plunger just waiting for you to open the box.